You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. Hey, what time is it over there, buddy? It's early. Well, it's it's not so early. For normal people, it's not early. It's about 7.30. Here's what I love about that, dude. I since this has started, have not gotten up before double digits a.m. Every day? I rise. I, I My eyes open, I'd say, about 7, 8 a.m. But you don't feel the need to get up. And this makes me feel, because our guest is nothing if not a hard worker, I now feel like an idiot because I'm realizing there are so many hours that I have wasted. There are so many hours in the day between, <laughs> between- like 7 and 10 a.m., there's there's a to, lot to do things. There's a lot that could be done in those hours. I could have made I could have made huevos rancheros. You could have. I found finally our Twitter page. Oh, did finally? I didn't realize how much work you had been putting into that. Yeah, you understand that the first time I opened that Twitter page, I texted you and I said, "Hey, Alex, here's the Twitter." Page. No, I like I I knew it existed, but I finally saw like what you've been posting. And yeah. I just feel like maybe I'm going to need to like curate it a little bit. Talk to me about that. What are you afraid of? So yeah, let's let's just go through here one at a time. Okay. okay. Oh, wow. We're doing this. You know, Fred Willard, RIP. RIP, because he's amazing. But followed closely by Brendan Fraser in George of the Jungle dancing. If you okay. did not have any sort of sexual awakening to Brendan Fraser in George of... <laughs> A flamethrower, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Yes. A poster for The Shining. Yes. Spike Lee and Tim yes. Curry. What's the common theme here? Like, what? What's the um? There is not one black person. Little Justice. Little Justice. Little Justice. Fuck yeah! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. To little justice, this thing that we do. I am the terrible Nick Walker. Who are you? The great Alex Smolo. That is grand. Um, we are so, so, so very fortunate to have this guest with us today. This guest is pretty much our boss at this point, but like also just an awesome person. She is the founder and the creator of Broadway Podcast Network, which is so uh, you know, we are so grateful. Hosts are our terrible podcast for some odd reason. And um, she's also just, you know, a prolific Broadway producer. And what I just found out about a week and a half ago, a former Imagineer, which we have to talk about because one of the things that we have never talked about on this podcast is both mine and Alex's love of Disney parks. How have we never gotten into that? Uh, I, I'm i not sure. Is it intentional? 
that we stay away from it? I think that for people's palatability of us, I think that we definitely, you know, because we would just talk about it incessantly. We wouldn't talk about movies. And that's probably what's going to happen today. Dory, come on in here, first of all. Hi. I am so honored to be with you guys. No, thank you for being here. Thank you for putting up with us. I love your podcast. No, you're very kind. We, we, we try. Well, I try. You do try. What what I think I mean what I was about to say is Dory not only is Dory, was Dory an Imagineer but her baby which is one of my favorite uh, rides Muppet Vision 3D which is why our our topic today is Muppet movies because we we have to talk about Muppets and we have to talk about Muppet Vision 3D and we have to talk about Disney parks I'm very excited like I don't know if you can tell I'm very excited about this uh so Dory Dory I don't like there's so much I want to ask you but like just. Just take us back to that moment. What is this for you? Imagineering, how, how, how? You know, it just was one of the absolute best times of my entire life, times a thousand. I grew up in Los Angeles, going to Disneyland all the time. I was um, uh, just wanted so badly to understand how everything worked behind the scenes and how it was just transporting for me and feel good. And of course, I grew up on the Muppets and was mm. obsessed with Kermie and Fozzie Bear and, and um, well, Miss Piggy. And they meant the world to me. They were teaching me about life all the time. And so one of my dreams in life was to be an Imagineer, to work behind the curtain, figure out how it all works and to help make it happen. And so I had the most amazing opportunity to run a, a division making the theme park movies. And we worked very closely with Jim Henson on a number of projects, including Muppet Vision 3D. And it was just, it was it was a dream. Of course, it ended, I'm so proud of uh, the, the, the film, but it, um, it ended so tragically because we lost Jim at the end of the shoot. But the whole experience, I treasure it so much and the most amazing group of people I've ever worked with. That's amazing. I mean, it's such a special thing. Back when it was called MGM Studios, not Hollywood Studios, it was tucked away back by where the now isn't there that beer place there now like or it's it's because it's right where galaxy's edge is now you have to understand there's so many rides that i and, and experiences in disney park that i as a kid was terrified of and like so for instance my favorite if you talk about disneyland my favorite story when i was a child and alex will get a kick out of this i could not do for the life of me the indiana jones adventure uh i because i was scared I, of it i was terrified i literally yeah, that so, makes sense it was I was terrified, guys. I literally got on that ride, and it was that big Jeep, and I had just seen Jurassic Park, which had you know traumatized me, but also inspired me. And I was like, I don't know where this car is going, but it reminds me of the car from Jurassic Park. I need to get out of here now. And I literally, as the lap bar was coming down, I was like, no, I need to, nope. And I just stood up, and my mom was like, Nick, what are you doing? Like, the ride is, like, where they're about to start. They were about to give the thumbs up. And I was like, nope, I'll just wait. And so my, my dad, my, my stepdad had to get out of the, of the ride with me and like wait and he was like so clearly angry because he wanted to do this ride and we had waited in like three hours for this yeah because it took forever to get there yeah this was like before this was still when it was like you know uh like e-tickets and all that you know it was like um like all this stuff so like you had to like wait there was no fast pass i don't think yet so you literally waited but muppet vision was one of those i mean you know it almost the, the one that i would compare it to is almost um philharmagic 
Um, it just like because it's just it's just one of those things that you just see these characters that you that you know and that you love so deeply and like it just overwhelms you. So talk to us about. I mean, you talked a little bit about this, but but what was that like? Kind of having that consultation and that work with Mr. Henson. I mean, like clearly this is all his brainchild. What was he like as a collaborator? What was he? You know, what was his process? He was an incredible collaborator. He he just he surrounded himself with an extraordinary group of people. Of course, the Muppeteers were geniuses. They were just geniuses. They were so funny. They were incredible collaborators. They played off of each other. Um, but the the process with us, I was representing Disney, you know, um, in the mix. So I was supervising Muppet Vision on behalf of Disney, <laughs> which was an interesting situation because you take this incredible team of imaginative, crazy puppeteers. Um, and and they are, you know, when you think about their movies and you think about Muppet Vision, you think about their work, it's like crazy and all over the place. And then, you know, Disney is much more buttoned up and they're very, very, very definitive rules. Like what can this character do? This character would never do that. This character would never say that and is very specific. And so it's kind of taking these two worlds together because you may remember there are some Disney character cameos in yep. Muppet Vision, and so yep. bringing yep. those worlds together um, and uh, kind of pr protecting the Disney of it all with the Muppets was so much fun and very challenging. But um, mm. I, I, there are moments that really are the highlights of my life. I, I had the great honor, really, of getting to have lunch. They encouraged at the time, if you can believe, all the Disney executives to, on the company, go out and have lunch with colleagues. I just didn't even realize how luxurious that was. And so we went out mm -hmm. to lunch all the time. And of course, Disney had a commissary and I would go there with Jim frequently. And the lunches were always brainstorming sessions, dreaming. Imagine, what if we did this? You know, what if we did that? You know, one of the things when he, when we lost Jim that just, I couldn't stop thinking about is just that incredible brain and all the unbelievable things that will never happen were going to come out of his his incredible brain. You know, he just was inspiring and warm and loving and just the most wonderful person to work with. And I'm so ecstatic to have had that opportunity in my life. It's yeah, no, it's I uh, it it really and like watching I mean Alex, did you ever did you ever get to do the did you ever get to do it? No, so I, I mean I've I've never I have to admit I am not uh I wasn't before this uh, hyper familiar with the Muppets. I'm obviously I knew I know, I know them. I know the characters growing up. It's mm -hmm. it's hard to avoid Kermit <laughs> and Fozzie and the the two old guys. And but I'm not like a wow, wow. Statler and Waldorf. Them, yeah, Statler. exactly. Well, exactly. I I call them the the two old guys. Okay. Um, and so and and before you pre pre Nick Walker in my life, I wasn't familiar with Disney uh, theme parks either. Yeah, tell tell Dory that story. Tell, <laughs> tell her tell her how that how that came about. Well, so I mean, obviously, like this is like a weird eccentricity of Nick, right? <laughs> is is that he is an adult man, works hard, brings home the the bacon, and he's got this weird. I don't even know what what you'd call it. You mean I'm very protective of my inner child? That's what you mean? Pro yes. Well, that's a perfect. You've thought about this before. You framed this before for people. Yes, you're protecting your inner child with everything that you have. Uh, yes. You go. You love Disney parks. 
you love, love going to, love to Disney and then, you know, Universal on the side and you've got, you know, there's things surrounding it, but Disney World, Disneyland. So I would obviously always make fun of you for it. Yes. Obviously, because why wouldn't I? And then one year you just decided to invite me along yes. <laughs> on, on you and Sarah's vacation. So In fact, I think I think I remember I think I remember pitching it to you as when you come to this park, you will understand. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I, ah, ha, ha, ha. And I, yeah. I, I jumped on the opportunity to be like, you know what? It sounds like a week straight of like Nick's going to book everything. We're going to drink the whole time and we'll just walk around and, and I'll be able to just make fun of it the whole time. And like literally from the time I hit the ground, like they the, the like magic express that picks you up from the airport. I was I was in. <laughs> he was I was now, like, wait, this is the best thing ever. Like this, ev everything is taken care of. Every every there's so much attention to detail. There's so much attention to making sure that you're having a good experience. It's like if you can just if you can just remove any sort of cynicism, which isn't hard in that environment, it's like it really is the most magical place on earth. <laughs> I was trying to say, I was trying to tell because like, and what I love about it is is that detail and is especially for those of us who love film and you know love watching film. I mean, like it's literally films that we grew up on come to life. And, you know, it's funny because like, I, I think that so much of what I've discovered about myself is like, I do have when it comes to like things that I produce my own content, like I have a very twisted mind. and I love twisted humor. But like, when it comes to me, like relaxing and finding my joy, there's no other place that I'd rather be. And there's no and like for my wife, like I'm very lucky with the person I married, because there's no other place that she'd rather be. And we we have all kind of formed this like this Disney family. I mean, Alex became an annual. You became an annual pass holder before I did. Uh, yeah, immediately, I got back yeah. from Disney World. I live in L.A. and immediately was like, I gotta go to Disneyland. Yeah, and I went and I think I signed up for the annual pass like as I showed up. <laughs> yes, you're like, okay, yeah, I'll be going here. Yeah. And now my wife, I started bringing her. She had the same idea like, oh, Disneyland, like, yeah, it'd be fun. I don't know why we'd spend money, you know, doing that, whatever. And I took her once or twice. And now it's like we have annual passes before before COVID hit. At least we were going once, twice a month. Um, just love it. I mean, I'm drinking out of out of a mug we got there now. Like uh, everything's just started to <laughs> Disneyify. That's what it should be. But so so the Muppets are not Disney, though. Well, we'll talk, talk. Yeah, talk about talk about the story. Well, first of all, you guys are my kind of people. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm with you completely. Um, actually, the the story is awful. Actually, but the end result and the answer to your question is yes, the Muppets are Disney. But when we were working on Muppet Vision, Jim was in the process of selling his company to Disney. He felt very strongly that he wanted his characters to live on forever and felt that Disney could take really great care of them. But to, to make a, a challenging story <laughs> brief, um, when Jim passed away, suddenly, totally unexpectedly, and the family came together, the deal was just seconds away from being signed. It wasn't signed at that point. And the clash between the Disney brass and the Henson family was, was uh, right from the at, at the at the funeral, honestly, um, mm. it was uh, very evident, and uh, it did not go well. And it took years and years and years and years for the these two uh, entities to come back together, and for Dream Jim's wish to come true. Wow, that's a shame to hear. But 
you know, Disney's taking good care of Muppet, the Muppets. So that's terrific. You know, it's interesting. And I think this is always true, right? The the kind of the intersection of art and commerce. And it's not, neither one is is bad. You know, you have to, you have to sell in order to be able to, to make art and you have to make art in order to sell art. But it's, it's always a, you know, there's so many, there's so many people who, you know, when I tell them about my love of Disney parks, you know, they're, they're very quick to point out like the, the things that like, it's like, you know, Disney's this big corporation and all this stuff. And I'm like, Yes, I completely, this is, we, we know this, like this is, there's no way you can avoid this. Then that's, and that's fine. What I love is what they put out. What I love is, is what is, what goes into those parks. And, and if you can just take it, don't ignore it, but like, but accept it, accept that that's, that that's where this comes from, but also just know that what they're, what they're doing. I like, you, you talk about Statler and Waldorf that I remember that so when I you know again I'm a, I'm a I'm a young kid going into this thing I hate like in close spaces to like any darkened theater always scares the crap out of me as a young kid uh, I was you know walking out of movies walking out of the Indiana Jones ride but when I sit down and then the first thing you hear is Statler and Waldorf just like ragging on this thing before it's even started and you just all of a sudden just feel like okay like well well that's cool. Like okay, so they're they're gonna they're gonna like make because they're just they just don't care they're just making oh my oh my Please god tell me you could do the voices they oh can my explain god. what we're seeing right now so you have uh, Statler and Waldorf uh, uh, puppets or or are they that's your dolls yeah. amazing just friends uh, this is wonderful what a wonderful day um I need to go to Shanghai uh, not to no to- Disney uh, Tokyo Disney Sea sorry. Tokyo Disney. Have you seen? Have you either? I mean, I'm sure Dora, you've seen the Alex. Have you seen pictures I've, from? Tokyo? I've seen. Yeah, I've seen some things. Ooh, that looks like a beautiful park. It's so interesting when you think about how they had to figure out what are what are the unique cultural habits and and uh, you know what do they eat? What are they? Because when they opened Paris Disneyland, it was it did not go well because they just took Disney and they plopped it in France without thinking these things through, and. Yep. Oh my gosh, there was such a backlash because, you know, there's in France, they take these long lunches, they drink wine, they have facial hair, which you were not allowed to have at Disney parks. And so (laughs) they had to, it just was a giant disaster. It failed completely. And then they had to stop and say, oh, okay, we're in France. What did they do? Oh, we have to adapt to the the local culture. Who would have known? But, but let's, let's rope it back into the, into the point of this podcast, (laughs) because we could talk about these parks forever. So what we, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you don't already know what we do on this podcast, we pick a theme every week and we pick a, you know, a movie that we think uh, in our hearts best exemplifies that theme. Obviously with Dory on this week, the best thing that we could pick would be the Muppet movie. And it's funny because Alex, as you noted, there are only, there are only eight Muppet movies from 1979 to 2014. Earliest yep. to latest. Yeah. So, I mean, this one kind of has, since there's only so many choices, we'll have to approach it a little bit differently. Just a smidge. Because we'll get through about half of all <laughs> the existing Muppet movies. Like I said, like, I didn't have a whole lot. I obviously, like, everyone's aware of the Muppets in general, um, but I haven't really engaged with them since I was a kid. And, and what I noticed watching uh, through my film is that these are very geared towards adults. <laughs> yeah. And I never, I you. never, you know, I, I get like, okay, it's very punny. It's very like, ha ha ha. As a kid, you, you pick up on that, but you're just kind of watching these puppets dance around and laughing along and it's colorful and it's whatever. But my, so my movie 
the one I picked was grittier than I thought it'd be. It was subtler than I thought it would be. You know, I think the last Muppet movie I saw was the was the Jason Siegel one from 2011, and that was my last experience with it, which I think is a little it it, it seemed geared more commercially, right? Like yeah. it, it was really it was it was brighter and louder, and it, at a point in time when everyone knew the Muppets and it was trying to bring it back in a really big loud way. But mine goes all the way back to the start. We're coming in. It's a helicopter shot. It seems like it's almost out of like Apocalypse Now or something like that coming in over the swamp, right? Mm -hmm. Just a helicopter pushing closer and closer and closer down over these trees. You start hearing a banjo playing. Oh, yeah. Come on. It fades into the set, this like beautiful swamp set. And it's just the it's so simple and so beautiful. It's just Kermit sitting on a log playing Rainbow Connection. Yep. Um, I mean, it's the, where, the original 1979 yeah, we'll start with the, first, yeah. the Muppet movie. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows. And it's amazing because the, the song itself has such a um, legacy, right? And I immediately jumped to, to the recording of uh, Jim Henson's funeral. Mm-hmm. Where they get up and say, and like I've I've watched that so like every oh, anytime God, I need yeah. a cry, I'll put on Jim Henson's funeral and and um play seeing Big Bird and all the you know singing Rainbow Connection uh and just like breaking down did it so like so like seeing this at the very beginning right this is the first big thing seeing this in its in its natural habitat so to speak where it came from. Um, just kind of struck a real chord with me. And, th- and then the rest of the movie, watching, you know, every single line of dialogue is so honed in. Everything is double entendre. Everything is a pun. Mm-hmm. Everything is a joke. Everything has some deeper, you know, meaning to it, um, some critique or context. or and, and it's sharp. It's That's what I was surprised about is, you know, for a 1979 puppet movie, this thing is biting. It is sharp. Yeah. Also, consider who you have as cameos in that film. You have some of like the best comedic faces of that generate. You have Dom DeLuise. You have Madeline Kahn, who's like, I mean, come on. You have, I think you have Steve, isn't Steve Martin in there? Steve Martin and Weinstein, Burrow, Hope, yeah. oh, Elliot Gould, Gould. Richard <laughs> Pryor, Richard Pryor, Richard Orson Pryor. Welles. Yeah. Orson like, Welles. Yeah. Can you believe that? Orson Welles. It, yeah. it just, everyone showed. You know, that's I mean, that that speaks to me of of the magic of this thing, because, you know, so many like you realize, like, you know, so many of these cameos. I mean, I and Dory, maybe you can speak to this, but like when you're setting up cameos like that, I mean, that's just call that's a cold call and say, hey, especially in the original Muppet movie before it's like, you know, obviously we know about the Muppets. They've had a history before then. But like, you know, who knows if a Muppet movie is going to work? Um, so are you're just call, you're calling people like, yo, do you want to get well, in on this or go they- ahead? When they shot when they shot the Muppet movie, which was my which is my favorite too for sure, mm. they were already a gigantic hit as a television series in the 1970s. Gotcha. The Muppets were huge, and so it became it was like um, you know guest starring on Glee or something. You know, it's like everybody wanted that moment, and so they had a lot of these cameos. They had a lot of these people and many many other big names had already made cameo appearances on the Muppet Show, wow. and so when they when they decided to to make the movie, 
Um, it was, I don't think that was a difficult part of it, you know, figuring out how to get Kermit to ride a bike and Fozzie to drive a car. That was really insane. You know, that was crazy. But, you know, to your point, I, I, what it's wacky and so much comedy and everything, but you know, the heart of that film and what it's about is just to me, you know, as a, as a kid, it was like so many life lessons, like Kermit was excited about the opportunity um, when he was discovered, so to speak, in the swamp <laughs> um, mm-hmm. by, by the idea of chasing his dream to make millions of people happy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's an ad in here that you should be very interested in. Feast your eyes on that. Uh, Worldwide Studios announces open auditions for frogs wishing to become rich and famous. Well, thanks anyway, but I'm really pretty happy where I am. Oh, oh, if I were you, I would give this audition very careful consideration. You've got talent, kid. Singing, telling jokes. I mean, if you get your tongue fixed, who knows? You can make millions of people happy. Millions of people happy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, I love that, you know? I it spoke to who Kermit was immediately. It, it set up without it. You could never have seen the Muppets before ever. And you immediately get in the first 10 minutes who, who Kermit is and what the whole, what the whole brand stands for. You, you kind of felt that Jim Henson mindset, you know, where, mm. what, why this existed to begin with in, in just those few lines. It's so funny when I, uh, so the museum of the moving image, uh, is right here in, in Queens and they have had a Jim Henson exhibit. Have you seen it, Dory? Have you, have oh, yeah. you been, yeah, absolutely. And they've I mean, it's been up here for now, I think, like three, four years. But one of the things that is just consistent through all all the you know, all the, the points of the exhibition is just from the beginning, his creativity um, and and just the fact I mean, so, you know, he was he was drawing these cartoons when he was a kid. Do you mean like he was this was this was always something that he that he was, you know, called to do and was always innovating in terms of how do we make these creatures feel more lifelike and more welcoming and, and more open? And what I've always loved is the behind the scenes footage when they were doing the test footage for, the, for this movie. You just see how connected he and Frank Oz are to these these yeah. like they are just riffing and like i think there's like one one segment that they show in the museum of the moving image where it's like them they were just like it's like a test you know filming where like they're just looking at like cows and like riffing on cows and trying to like talk to cows as their characters and like they're just having this full conversation back and forth not a beat not a beat between them like like literally just talking as their characters and like fully animating their it, it just the connection that they had to these characters shines through in that movie so well. 
their ability to speak to kids yeah. you know, so yeah. beautifully, but then also completely to the adult audience was at the same time, it was just so masterful. Like, you know, when in the movie, they run into Floyd Pepper, the, the rock star guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say, you know, do you want to go on the journey with us? Because you're so talented. You could be discovered and, you know, have great fame and fortune in Hollywood. He literally says to them, when you get rich and famous, we'll show up to exploit your wealth. Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. What, an eight-year-old, that's just going to go over their head. But I mean, to an adult, that's hysterical. That's crazy. Oh yeah, I mean, I to your point, that's what I was going to say is, is like, whereas somebody like Mr. Rogers, right, from his core doing what he does, but it's geared towards the kids, right? The whole thing is, is about helping kids through their issues and growing up and dealing with what's about to come hit them um, in adulthood. And I think what, what I never understood about the Muppets until now is, you know, yes, it's for kids. Yes. It's the, those messages are in there. This is all really speaking to, to everybody, to adults. It's visually for kids, but it is, uh, you know, emotionally, thematically, educationally for adults. And you don't, you don't find that very often. Mm. No. And the, the lyrics, the score by Paul Williams is so spectacular with Rainbow Connection oh, and yeah. Moving Right mm-hmm. Along. And there's a line that I've always kept in mind in the reprise of Rainbow Connection, um, the final song in the movie. It says, Life's like a movie. Write your own ending. Keep- that message is just such a great thing for a kid to hear. You know, it's just so empowering. And for anyone to hear, maybe who's going through a difficult time, you know, just yeah. write your own ending. It it really, yeah, it speaks, it speaks volumes. And, it, and the, the pure joy that was captured, I think, and the pure kind of hope, you know, that's captured um, has continued on. Like, <clears throat> you can't, and I think that that's kind of always been the ballast, right, to, to kind of judge these movies. Um, because, you know, when, when you feel them getting away from that, is when I, for me, I've started to, <clears throat> I start to kind of shut off, you know, when, when I, not, not that you have to, cause you can't, you know, I think that's what's so hard about it is like that kind of joy you can't mass produce. Like it, it has to, it has to be crafted and it has to be every intricate detail. Um, but I, I just know that like what, when I feel it start to slip away is when you just kind of throw the, so, okay, great. We have the Muppets. Everybody loves the Muppets. Let's throw them into a, into a plot. You know, and then we lose a little bit of that. And 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 that that is kind of at least for me, that that's kind of when I when I kind of shrink away. But you, but Dory, so you were saying this, so that's that would be your pick as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, we, we get to meet all the characters. And actually there were a lot of characters and moments in the Muppet movie that were you know, we we saw again in Muppet Vision 3D, whether it's you know, um, uh, the Swedish chef. The flame is Good, roll film. You know, or Fozzie Bear trying to be a stand-up comedian. Here I am, Fozzie Bear, to tell you jokes both old and rare. Watcha, watcha, watcha. Let's start things off with a bang. Thank you, sir. To me, that is is like an almost perfect movie because it's it's wacky and crazy and technically at the time, at least 1979, off mm-hmm. the charts, but it's not overly sentimental, you know? No. And it didn't feel forced, as you were saying, you know? It just yeah. felt like you are on this wacky adventure with these characters and you want Kermit to succeed and you want him to chase his dream and get it that he's going to make millions of people happy. Yep. 
simple. Yep. It's so funny because my my choice. So I so those the three movies that I had watched were that one. I watched it, and obviously that one. I you know I was by by two a.m. I was tearing up, crying. Um, and then I and then I fell asleep on my what what I what was my second choice, which was uh, the Muppets, the 2011 Muppets. Because here's what I will say for that: it is flashy, it is crazy. Um, but what I think is wonderful about it is very much in the same way, Dory, that you've described Jim Henson bringing himself to this first film. I think Jason, you can feel that Jason Siegel brought yes. his fandom to this film, and that's what makes it work. Was just like, oh, you're telling the story about how much these characters meant to you. And, and, and I can get behind that. And, and so for as much as it was like very much a 2011, like Muppets reboot, it was also like, there was by the end of it, like that, that final speech that Kermit gives where he's, you know, you know, in, in classic Muppets fashion, they try to, they try to have a fundraiser to, to keep their, to, you know, get their show back going and, and they fail. And Kermit gives this amazing rousing speech about, um, you know, it doesn't matter if we fail because we did this together. And that's all I care about. And it's just like one of the most pure sentiments. And I, every time I see it, I, I cry. And and it's and it's just so well done. But the movie that I decided on, and this is this is actually gonna, it, it, this is kind of why I brought it up. I think that if they, you know, there was like I said, there was a, a time there in the '90s into I think uh, maybe a little bit of the 2000s where they were trying to just plug the Muppets into different stories, and a lot of those didn't work for me, but one of them really did. One of them, I think, has to be my my favorite. Is this why um, Tim Curry is on our Twitter? It is not why Tim Curry. See, see, you already. <laughs> but it's it's. Cl I mean, it's close because I think that's a second. I think that's a runner up. I think it's an absolute runner up because. But that one to me, so Muppet Treasure Island, I think works s solely on Tim Curry's performance. Yeah, because he's just he's amazing. And the, my problem with that one is the Muppets take such a back seat in that movie. Gotcha. It's so it's not about the Muppets, but this one is in so many ways. As much, it's 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 about you know it's about the innovation that it takes to even though they're not the central character, it is about the innovation it takes to create a world that is this um, efficient at at storytelling. So we open, I mean you're gonna know what it is from the time I I, I describe it, but we open on foggy London town. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> you know exactly. It's the Muppets take Manhattan. Right? Oh. Shut up. <laughs> I'll kill you. There he is, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. Say, is it getting cold around here? So this was, and, and Dory, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this was the first movie that they were going to do post uh, Jim Henson's death. Right. Um, right. It, was, it was 91, um, mm -hmm. and and they uh, Brian Henson, who was his son, was approached to you know they i think i think uh, the story went that he was told he was like yeah you know we would love to do an adaptation of the christmas carol we think you should do it um and we and i think it was originally supposed to be a series they wanted like a television series through as development happens it became a movie and they brought on michael kane michael kane i I've, I've always felt that he's just one of the most emotionally connected actors that we have and doesn't and you know sometimes sometimes i think that that it's it's overdone but like in this movie, it was uh, to me honest, and I'm, I'm, I'm. Somebody's gonna punch me in the face for saying this. I think this is one of his best performances. Oh, spirit, do not leave me. I think I must. In fact, you have meant so much to me. You have changed me. And now I leave you with the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You mean the future? Mm. Must I? 
And I think it's one of his best because I think what what he did that's brilliant is he played he and he says in, in interviews he's like I'm going to play this like this is the Royal Shakespeare Company production of Christmas Carol. And so what that allowed him to do was he was as mean as he could be. And he really used that camera to great effect to be as mean as he could be and because he is surrounded by the Muppets, the dichotomy becomes is you have the most vulnerable creatures in the world. By their very nature, they are open and they are kind and they are they are loving and they just want to be there for him. And he just craps on all of them. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, this Christmas Carol story of this horrible man becomes it puts gets put into the probably the starkest relief since Charles Dickens first wrote the story, because you're able to really see the effect of his of his meanness. Now then, sir, about the uh, donation? Let's see. I know how to treat the poor. My taxes go to pay for the prisons and the poor houses. The homeless must go there. But some would rather die. If they'd rather die, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear. This is the door. You may use it. Like, I think about the face... That, you know, when so he has Kermit uh, as his kind of Bob Cratchit and Kermit's working in his office and he asks. Excuse me, Mr. Scrooge, but it appears to be closing time. Very well. I'll see you at eight tomorrow morning. Um, tomorrow's Christmas. Eight thirty then. You know, in that wonderful Kermit way, he's just he just he's like so unassuming and just like so hopeful that this man will say yes, even though. It's so clear he's going to say no. And it just breaks your heart. And all, all his little rat friends are like around and like, or, and they're like, they're hoping that he's going to say yes. And then he just uh, obliterates them. And, and, and yet Kermit goes and gets his son, his little tiny Tim. And, and this amazing sequence, which um, you see Kermit walking, right? You see his legs moving. And they, the way they did it was they, um, I, I was watching behind the scenes videos. They, uh, they made a set that was like a rotating, set right so you just had his legs moving like this and then then they just rotated a set almost like a globe behind him so you just saw like the curvature of the street and the and the, and the houses passing by in such a way and and it's just and they're but they're you know even though he's not going to get to spend christmas with his family he's still singing this like happy song and then um there's so many i'm sorry there's so many sequences that that just moved me um so many technical sequences that are brilliant. The knocker on the door. There's a knocker when he goes um when he goes back to his house, the knocker just becomes a face and terrifies him. And like, and it's just this beautiful kind of rubbery movement that just really freaks you out. Um and then and and truly one of these scary, you know, I think whenever you're watching a Christmas Carol story, you know, it's you can always tell how good it is by how they do the the ghost of Christmas uh, future. The best ones are terrifying. And like I think about like Scrooged, which was like kind of scary, but, you know, mock scary is Bill Murray scary. This one is scary AF, man. This is like some. I was I was I, was, I don't like, remember it. Can you can you it's just so it's it's got these it's you know the only thing that kind of gives it a little bit of clownish is its its hands that the hands are like these these kind of you know round bluish gray rubbery hands long fingers but the rest of it is just this massive shroud and a complete darkness and you also have Michael Caine playing against it so Michael Caine is giving it all the fright that he can 
and just you know cowering before this this creature it's also massive it's huge and it just it just it just there's no there's no um i mean the brilliance of it and the brilliance of the character in general is there's no emotion to it he's not there to, to have sympathy you know the rest of the characters kind of like we're like hey you know we want you to be better so be better this one's like nope yeah this is what happens and and that kind of bluntness and and lack of answer um also again and i think this is this was another masterful touch to you know brian henson talks about how um they originally wanted like a charles dickens esque character to narrate the story and he chooses gonzo and rizzo <laughs> and they were like why and he was like because they are the least dickens-esque characters <laughs> your christmas apple red delicious cup and some peace while they last we they won't last long the way you're eating them. Hey, I'm creating scarcity. Drive the prices up. Rizzo. I... Hello. Welcome to the Muppet Christmas Carol. And it's brilliant because they actually, they are able to provide a great commentary on the story. Um, and, and again, be kind of like Statler and Waldorf were for me in the Muppet Vision 3D. They, they make it that much less scary. They're like, ooh, this is, they, they warn you. They're like, hey, this is the scary part. So... We're going to yeah. go and we'll be back when it's over. And like, I don't know. I just, I just felt like you could feel, and maybe this is me projecting onto the film, but you could just feel the heart that they were putting into it because they knew that they had to carry on this man's legacy. I mean, I, I think, I think the Christmas Carol is a great, um, a great format for the Muppets, right? Because the heart of a Christmas Carol is all about, you know, about melting people's ice and, and about believing and hoping, you know, in, in the hope of, of humanity, right? It's about, it's about you can be better, you know, you are loved. There's, you know, the future can be what you want it to be. And that's the message of the Muppets. Is, you know, the, the rainbow connection is not about look how great everything is. It's about one day we're going to, we're going to figure it out. We'll find it. One yeah. day we'll find it. And I think, um, you know, obviously with the ghost of Christmas future and everything like that's what Christmas Carol is about. So I think on some level, uh, the, the story just, just works thematically. It really does. There are also little treasures in all the all the movies and in the Christmas Carol. I remember the shooting star, you know, over Mm -hmm. Kermit's head, and that was Mm -hmm. very specifically done as a as a tribute to Jim Henson. Yeah, Yeah, you can you can and you and again, I I always I always look for the ways in which the creators put themselves in their in their films. The time that we spend with Bob Cratchit and his son. There's just something very special about that, yeah. and and especially knowing where this film came from, yeah, man. So that's the I, I that's my pick, but uh, it's you know I I think I think look if you're if you just especially in these days when life is crazy, these are not bad movies to watch. I, I would highly recommend putting on one of these films just because they're it's just pure joy. It's just like stupid pure fun. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. It's, with it's that. hard for me not. Given, given you know, um, having had the honor of working with them, to look at these movies and not know what was, you know, you can get, I, I of course get totally swept up in the emotion and the humor, and you know, A Christmas Carol is such a good example of that. It really was be- just beautifully told and and all that. But I'm, but it's also kind of extraordinary to think, like just a walking scene of Kermit. I know that took ten puppeteers to yep. make that happen you know so the technical genius behind all that and to do it in a way that is so seamless that you yep. can it doesn't give you a second to to step out of the movie and think those thoughts you know you're with it you're with kermit you're you're with the whole story and but there's this massive technical machine yeah. behind it that's it real it's not animation you know it's yeah, authentic this- 
This is why Nick, when we when you told when you told me Muppets was a the theme for this, I had to clarify like, okay, like just the Muppets, like as the brand, you're like, yeah, 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 we have to, because um, I would have gone straight for Labyrinth. I mean, Labyrinth is, and in terms of technical achievement yeah. with in puppetry, you know, I used to live on the behind the scenes featurettes from Labyrinth just because like the 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 amount of imagination that went into creating because it's not just the puppets right it's not just about moving the puppets it's how the puppets interact with the environments around them right these environments are built to try to you know you hide the hands and the strings and all that um, but muppets doesn't you know we're not really we're not that it wasn't in an age where they were where they could take the wires out where they could hide all this stuff and do it easily there's no cgi there's no anything so to watch the ingenious um workarounds you know is is magic in and of itself and it's yeah now now dory just a question for you so as as a producer of you know of theater and 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 you know and imagineer and all these all these wonderful things so when you look at a process like that when somebody you know when you're having these meetings and it's like how you know what is this going to take to film the scene and you know that you're going to be stuck on a, on one scene for like three you know, I mean like three weeks in your producer brain is it just automatically like you know i mean with the muppets i guess you have a proven entity but is it automatically worth it? Or is it like, are you thinking, okay, how can we still most efficiently get this done? Or like, at what point is it like a scene that just needs to be cut because it's just too complicated? Well, with Muppet Vision 3D, uh, you, the Muppets were obviously established and, and well yeah. known when we, when we uh, made the film. But what we did and what was kind of my operating rule uh, uh, with uh, Disney, with Theme Park Productions was it had to absolutely push uh, the medium to a whole new place. You, you couldn't do things that were done before. It had wow. to, it had to set a whole new bar. So it was the Muppets, which in and of itself, as we've talked about is challenging. It's really challenging and technically complex, you know, aside from all the genius humor and all of that. But then it was the first time ever that CGI was used in 3d. So mm. the whole movie was shot in 3d for starters, which yep. Um, at the time in, in 1991, um, there is a lot you can do now that is, is has been simplified technically, but we had humongous 3D cameras. I mean, massive 3D cameras. And, and the, the technical uh, team around that was the, the state of the art. So I learned so much from them and and they were all so kind and, and it all had to be very, very collaborative uh, because we also had, as I mentioned CGI characters, computer graphics characters. And in 1991, that was kind of a new thing. And the first, it was the first time that you would have a CGI character in a 3D film. So you, it was the added layers of complexity with these puppet characters. So imagine that they're hidden, they're underground, looking at their puppet through a, you know, through a monitor with their hand in the air, probably in a very uncomfortable position acting while uh, uh, opposite perhaps a 3d character that doesn't exist at the moment mm. <laughs> you know so the level of complexity um to shoot that you know 13 minute movie was off the charts it was it was crazy are you aware like, as you're as you're watching this happen are you aware of like okay we need to give somebody a break because like they've just been in that position for so long like like are are they pushing through these takes are they like i mean are they cramping out like i mean because that's that's all i mean for everyone involved that just seems like mm -hmm. such a task 
well, with the Muppets, you know, it's a very different situation because, you know, they, they we, we've had to be completely deferential. And, you know, we really became, because we had worked on a number of things together, not just Muppet Vision, we were, yeah. we really, bond, everyone had bonded. It was such a, a tight, tight team of people. And um, they know their craft, you know, gotcha. and what we were able to bring to the table were help support them with these brilliant Imagineers. And then also to anticipate this live action um, that was being captured on screen, they were going to be interacting with, with Statler and Waldorf live in the theater, you know, and, and how, what are the, what are the sight lines? What are the, you know, so Mm -hmm. help and support them with all the technical expertise of, of the Imagineers that would be building the theater and all that. It was a very, very, very collaborative process, but in terms of, you know, when there are breaks and how, how far can, you know, how long can Miss Piggy work before she needs to take a rest? That, that, <laughs> yeah. that was totally, you know, um, Frank Oz's call. Um, wow. <laughs> but it was, it was a dream project. And I think because of its massive complexity, ever since then, you know, no problem. We'll figure it out. <laughs> nothing is, is, nothing has ever been as challenging. That's what I was about to say. Cause I was like, you know, even it's, you know, with, with the prom and with all the, all the Broadway stuff that you've produced, like, it also occurs to me like, wow, if you've been able to do that, I mean, it's as crazy as Broadway can get because Broadway gets crazy. But like that's that just seems like, yeah, you could do it. It's a cakewalk in, in a way. Right. Or is it? Well, it was it was thrilling. It was absolutely thrilling because it, the mandate basically was to create things that don't exist. And so you know, when you see films or Broadway shows that are so derivative of something else, it's to me, it's so frustrating. What a missed opportunity to, to be, you know, create things that are brand new and push the medium. And to me, that's what's really exciting. And to bring this genius group of people together and watch them work at the top of their craft, it, 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 it was extraordinary. No, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. I do have to say, though, that they were also a blast. They were so much fun. Um, I got to be a, um, in Muppet Vision. I got to be a penguin in the finale what? scene. Yes, I am a penguin, um, <laughs> and and um, uh, and even the audio for penguin. The legacy that. that is and, my legacy. Know, they're just they were, they were all so um, just like the nicest group of people ever, and so so much fun to work with. That's my dream. That's my that's I I literally so when I you know because I the, I think the show's done now, but um. Uh, great moments in history in the parks, uh, which I, again, it's, it was this amazing, I, th- I think it's done. I, th- I don't think they do it anymore. Uh, at, 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 uh, but I, I literally, one of my dreams was like, yo, if, if this theater thing, if this acting thing doesn't work out, that's my first, I'm audition. I don't even care what I have to do. I will be there. Isn't I will that be all there. animatronic robots? No, it's, it's, so it's, 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 it's voice recorded. So the, obviously the voices are record pre-recorded, but it's, um, everyone, Everyone up there is is doing. It's like the people in the window. I mean, they're doing it. Right. Um, and I was like, I yeah, I will figure out how to how to worm my way into that world because that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but no, Dory, thank you so much for for coming on and, and chatting with. Yeah, thank with you. Our, sorry, oh, thank you both. Amazing. Nothing but a pleasure. But uh, yeah, guys, watch some up at movies. Um, take care of yourselves. Uh, you know, stay out of trouble, and uh, and we will see you uh, next week. Bye. Thank you, Bye, everybody. Little Justin, little Justin, little Justin. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.